We have an exciting announcement for you guys today, and that is that we really are feeling like it's time to add a second morning service here. Uh, we took a poll among you all a few weeks ago to see you know, which service you would attend if we did that and what that would look like, and so a bunch of you guys responded, which was great. But we're going to be adding a second service, mainly because we need to make space. Uh, we, if you guys know, you're, you're out there parked, especially on a rainy day like today. Some of you guys are down by Taco Bell. It's not so much fun, right? And so we need to make space for cars. We need to make space for people. And we need to make space for kids. We've got about 700 kids downstairs this morning, which is awesome. But we need to make space uh, for some more kids. And so we're excited about this. Um, it's going to be work. Uh, we need volunteer help. We had a team meeting this past Wednesday, and all of our volunteers gathered, and we cast a vision for this and everybody's in on it, and uh, so we have an amazing volunteer base, but we need some more help as we do this, and uh, we really just want to multiply our influence. Um, We want to, you know, like, I'm able to connect with a handful of people after service, and so are our prayer team members and everybody, so if we have two services, that's more connection points before and after services. Uh, It's also, you know, you go fishing. My, My kids went fishing this summer, and you know, we started out with one hook in the water, and we caught a few fish, but before we knew it, we had, like, the kids and the cousins, and more hooks that were in the water, the more people that were, or people weren't in there, um, fish that were caught. That would have been horrific if we caught people, but um, we, uh, we, in the same way, want to put more hooks out there in the water, and I know sometimes the fear is, like, well, if we have, like, 175, 200 people at this service, and we split, then we'll just have, like, 100 and 100, or we'll have, like, 110, and, you know, like, we'll just have sort of that split of 200, but the truth is, as we put more hooks in the water, there's a good chance we'll catch some more fish, and so we want to do that. Like, you ever gone to a movie, or you want to go to a movie, and it was at that time in the movie's life where, you know, it was about to be taken out of the movie theater, and so there was only one showing available, and you're like, well, I can't go then, so I guess I can't go. So adding another time hopefully will help us catch some more people. Um, the big clincher for us in deciding to do this, because this is a hard decision, you know, it's like, do we do it now, do we wait, uh, was this thought. We want to have room to be able to keep people after Christmas, okay? Um, some of you here in the room got saved around Easter time, which is so exciting. But you know what? We believe that God wants to reach more people at Christmas time. And we always have a huge turnout for Christmas. And honestly, if we just had things like they were now, we wouldn't really have much room to continue to grow. And so that was kind of the clincher for our staff as we talked about this. And so we know that Christmas is a huge time. We also want to do this before the Christmas season because Christmas season gets crazy. And so what we're looking to do is actually start this second service on Sunday, November 15th, which is about three weeks from now. Um, it's a good day for us because we're kicking off a new series. November is usually a good attendance and growth month as we've kind of tracked that. And uh, like I said, we're getting this all off the ground before the craziness of of Christmas and everything kicks in. We would have rather announced this like back in September, um, just giving us more time. But we needed to see in September and October that this consistent growth was going to be something that we were going to experience. And so we knew that this was important. And so we're going to do a 9.30 and an 11.30 service time. Okay, And so everybody has to choose a new service time, all right? No one can come at 11. You have to come at 9.30 or 11.30. And so we're going to just ask that you guys over the next few weeks just think and pray about that. And um, I'm going to even kind of go out there and ask you a couple of things. First off, if anyone is crazy enough to come to both for a little while, that would really, really help. Just, again, fill out the room. Uh, people attract people. And so just that dynamic in the room would be great. The second thing I'm going to ask you about is would you think and pray about serving at one and attending another? Just think about that. No pressure here. I'm not trying to twist arms, but we are going to need some more help. We have a great team and great staff, but we need some more help as we kind of take this new challenge on, all right? So think and pray about that. An exciting thing. If you have any questions, you can ask me later or some of our team members, but uh, we're looking forward to what God will do, and we know he needs us to take a kind of step of faith here and see what's up, all right? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity today that we have to 
just think about you, focus our minds on you, and thank you for the opportunity we have to talk about heaven. And we just thank you for this series and the way I think it's reminded us of some things, it's maybe taught us some new things, and so I just pray that as we close out our series today, you'll do some awesome things in your name we pray, amen. So there was a man who was thinking about heaven, and he was wondering about heaven, do I want to even go to heaven, what am I going to do in heaven? And he just kind of had that thought stuck in his head, am I even going to enjoy anything in heaven? And he was a golfer. He really loved to play golf. And so one day as he was just thinking about this, he actually just thought, I should just pray about this. I should ask for an answer if there's going to be golf in heaven or not. And so he began to pray about it. And eventually he got a reply. And and the heavenly messenger said to him, yes, there is going to be golf in heaven. And we have the nicest greens. And you always get to play with the nicest people. And you never have to wait. And the man was delighted. He said, this is amazing news. And, And the heavenly messenger replied, yes, it is, isn't it? And we have you scheduled in to play next Saturday. Now, a lot of us, as we think about heaven, we think the same thing. What am I going to do? Am I even going to enjoy it? Is there anything about heaven that's going to be attractive to me? Why do I want to go there? Uh, Is it just going to be a really long church service? Because I don't know about that. I mean, I'm a pastor. I don't even know about that, all right? Um, Are we just going to be sitting on a cloud playing a harp forever? Like, what is going to be going on in heaven? Why should I want to go? Uh, We sort of looked at the thought that maybe many of us kind of signed up for heaven because we don't really want to go to the other place, you know? It's not that we're all excited about heaven. It's just like, I want to avoid that. And so really, that's not the greatest reason to want to go to heaven, right? And so over the last several weeks, we've looked at why heaven will be amazing. And in week one, we said the most important reason heaven will be amazing is because we will have complete access to God. Jesus is the draw of heaven. More than anything else, more than any great thing, Jesus is what it's all about. And so if you here today are saying, I have an issue with my relationship with God, it's probably in some way, shape, or form an access issue. Like you want to be closer to God. God, I don't feel you. I can't hear you. I can't see you. I just want a a sign. Show me you're with me. Those are all access issues. And in heaven, you and I will have none of those. We will have complete access to our Savior. And then in week two last week, we saw that another reason heaven will be amazing is because we will be reunited with loved ones and we will never deal with sin or pain again. It sounds good to me. And so today I want to talk a little bit about what we will do because there's nothing worse than being somewhere that's been all hyped and then you get there and you find out it's not what you thought it was going to be. And heaven is pretty hyped, right? So we're going to see today if it's, if it's worth the hype. Um, as a kid, there were several family vacations that I went on where I experienced situations where there was a lot of hype about something, and then I went for it to only be horrific and boring. My mom was an amazing woman. She was one of the most joyful, optimistic people I ever met. And, and, and part of the downfall of that was that she thought really boring things were going to be really fun. And so she'd schedule events, and she'd say, guess what? I, I, I got us into this amazing thing we're going to do to get together. And we'd be all excited. What are we doing? Are we going to go see a concert? Are we going to see a Mets game? What, what are we doing? And she would say, I got us into a tour. Yes, yes, a tour of what? Madison Square Garden. Where are we going? A cheese factory. And I wish I was making that up. I am not making that up. And so we went to the cheese factory. And my mom dragged me, my dad, and my sister to the cheese factory. And she was all excited. And we knocked on the door. And they opened the cheese factory. And the man said, I'm so sorry. You've actually missed the tour for the cheese factory. And my dad and sister and I went, yes. And my mom went, no. And then... The man, the man behind the door said, but I could still show you around if you want. And my dad, sister, and I went, no. And my mom went, yes. And so we were in touring the cheese factory that was closed. And we walked through. There were no conveyor belts moving. No one was boxing anything. There was no one working, creating cheese 
foul blocks. There was nothing good happening. Uh, and it was, there was one guy, if I remember correct, I'm probably about 16 when this happens. One guy who took a piece of cheese and put it in a box. And my mom had her camera out. Like, that was like the greatest thing that ever happened in the world, you know? That was horrific. I was looking at my watch. I just wanted to leave. I didn't want to be there. But mom was all excited about it. And maybe some of you have felt like, I feel like preacher guys are all excited about heaven, but I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like I'm going to be looking at my watch for all eternity going, why am I here? What have I done? What have I gotten myself into? But you know what? We're never going to be bored in heaven. In fact, I think this is a, uh, hopefully an encouraging thought. I don't think there's ever going to be a moment that we aren't fully satisfied and engaged. For all eternity, there's never going to be a moment that we are not fully satisfied and engaged. It's always going to be something exciting going on. We're going to look a, a little bit about that today. And some of you guys may be saying, well, why does this matter now? I mean, I'm not there yet. I'm not, not, as far as I know, I'm not scheduled to play golf next Saturday up there. And so, you know, why today? Because here's the deal. When we get excited about heaven, it changes how we live here. And so we're going to see a little bit at the end of the message what that looks like and, and different ways in our lives that should be impacted. But um, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm sure that you've been wondering about this too, right? I mean, you've, all right, let's say Jesus did die for me and he loves me. Why do I want to be in heaven for all eternity? What are we going to do? And so we're going to look today at some of that. Um, today we're going to kind of take a little bit of a tour through some scriptures. You guys know I normally like to just sit in one spot and kind of dig in and really go for that one section of scripture. But what we're doing today, I just can't do that. And so we're going to bounce around a little bit and we're going to have the verses and stuff up on the screen for you. But what are we going to do in heaven? What are we going to do for eternity? Revelation 22 gives us the first answer. The first answer is this. We're going to help God run the universe. Revelation 22. There will be no more night. Now John in Revelation is just describing what he's seeing in heaven. And they, will, and they will not need any light from lamps or the sun because the Lord God will shine on them. So God is just this amazing, beautiful thing emanating. Then this, they will rule. Talking about us as kings forever and ever. So this is active. This is not you know, a bunch of us just bored and wishing we hadn't been there. This is a bunch of saved people who are helping God literally run the universe. We're serving God. We're working along with God. And these are responsibilities that we enjoy. Okay? Kind of leads into the next one. Second thing we're going to do, we're going to serve God. We're going to serve God. Revelation 22.3 says this, that no longer will there be any curse. So we talked about that last week. No more sin, no more curse in our lives. The throne of God and of the Lamb. If you're not a follower of Jesus, the word Lamb there is sometimes a reference to Jesus. So in other words, God and Jesus, their throne will be in the city. And look at that. And his servants will serve him. So again, this is us being active, serving God. Now some of you are going, Doug, I hope you have some better news coming. Because so far... Serving God doesn't sound like the greatest thing. Well, let's just talk about that thought for a second. If you're going, I don't know about the serving God stuff. doesn't feel like the greatest eternity. Um, there's two things I want to say about that. First of all, you know if you've been on a missions trip or if you've gone out on our homeless ministry, that serving God is actually really awesome. It's incredibly fulfilling. That you and I, when we, we get, you know, the end of the day building a house in, in uh, Belize or putting up sheetrock and in New Orleans after Katrina, I mean, there's something satisfying about that. And, and look, often we look back on those trips, and at the time it's like, man, I want to kill like seven people. But, but looking back, that was a great trip, and God did so much in me, and it was so satisfying and fulfilling. And so, you know, when, when it comes right down to it, serving God actually is awesome. But the second thing is, you and I are going to be serving God where sin is no longer in play. You see, everything you and I don't like about serving God has to do with sin. 
right? I'd rather be doing something else. Well, what's that called? That's called selfishness, I think. I'm pretty sure that's sin. And I'm just tired. Well, that's called laziness. That's not going to be in play. You're never going to get tired in heaven. Uh, I just don't like the people I serve with. Well, that's not going to be going on in heaven. And so serving God is going to be actually an incredibly awesome experience that we get to enjoy. And if serving God here and now is good, then how much more there with no trace of sin? And so we're going to serve God. We're going to help God run the universe. I love number three. We'll, we'll laugh. We're going to laugh in heaven. I love that. Look at uh, what Jesus says in Luke 6. He was talking about people's reward in heaven. Look what he says. 621, Luke 621. Blessed are those who are crying. They will laugh. We're going to laugh. God invented laughter. God's the source of joy. And so you and I are going to laugh for all eternity. Think about the last time you laughed really hard. I'm talking tears in the eyes. I'm talking you can hardly breathe. Uh, we had our first community group about a month and a half ago, and our, our community group got together. And Kelly and I have had this long-lasting theory about first community group meetings. And it's this. There's nothing that bonds a group of people more than sharing embarrassing stories, okay? You guys thought I was going to say something spiritual there. No, 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 no. Embarrassing stories is where it's at. And so we sat there, and we are telling all these embarrassing stories, and actually, without them knowing, I filmed it, and I'd like to show you some. I'm just kidding. Um, But we are just, like, cracking up laughing, tears in our eyes, laughing about the ridiculous things each other has done. And you know what? There's just going to be this joy, this laughter. I have this thought a lot because I love to laugh. I, I need to laugh like every 30 seconds or something's off. And so, you know, but I hate the days when I laugh hard, but then at the end of the laugh, you know this feeling when suddenly you check back into reality and you remember, oh yeah, but that really terrible situation is still true in my life. Like that was a nice little 10 second laugh and escape from reality, but now somebody that I love still sick, or man, we're still in financial struggle, or man, I still got anxiety issues, or whatever it might be, whatever your struggle might be. Guess what? When you and I laugh in heaven, there'll be none of that. None of that trail off. None of that, the end of that, like, oh, well, I guess back to reality. No, no, it'll just be consistent joy that you and I will experience. About a year ago, I wrote on Facebook something about how much I love to laugh or how thankful I was for laughter or whatever, and one of my uncles who's had a really, really difficult life commented under what I wrote, and he just wrote this, oh, to have something to laugh about. And you know what? Some of you here today can relate to that. You're going, Doug, I I love to laugh. It's just been a long time. And Jesus promised us, I think, is so powerful. If you've mourned, if you've cried, if you've gone through a difficult life or a difficult season of life, you have eternity to look forward to, to laugh. Next one is will worship. Revelation 22, 3. John sees this. He says, The throne of God and the Lamb, again, the Lamb refers to Jesus, will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. Louis Giglio said this, Every time we get a peek into heaven, worship is room temperature. And so worship is near and dear to God's heart. Now, I'm not talking about a terrible worship experience. I'm not talking about you and I, again, looking at our watch like, oh, this is finally the last song. I gotta get the Jets games to the planet one. You know I mean? That's not what we're gonna be doing. We're gonna be excited and satisfied and we're gonna be responding. When's the last time that you were really excited about something and you were so excited that you responded in just, you know, praise? And I'm not talking about necessarily worship. It can even be about a natural thing. You know, the last time your team won the 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 World Series or something, or I don't know, last time the Mets, like, you know, like, 
stole the division from the Nationals and then beat the Dodgers and then swept the Cubs. And I don't know, I got to calm down, but uh, I don't know what it was for you. Last time your, your, your favorite band played and it was the final note and they came back out for an encore and the place went nuts. When's the last time those types of things happen? And you know that like natural response of joy and excitement that comes out of you? Like when the Mets clinched for the World Series the other day, I was jumping, I had arms up in the air and I was like waking up the house, you know, I mean, because that was just a natural, not put on thing. And that's going to be us for all eternity. Look, just seeing the beauty of God, seeing the goodness of God, and enjoying him to the degree that we respond in natural praise and worship. And so this isn't going to be some boring, long, drawn-out experience. No, this is you and I seeing the beauty of God and just simply responding to it. Number five, we're going to play music. We'll play music. Revelation 8 and 15 show us that there are musical instruments in heaven. So there's going to be music going on. And like we saw, John sees worship going on. Um, number six, we're going to rest. We're going to rest. Does that sound good to anybody? Just resting? Like real rest. I don't know about you. I don't always get real rest. But look at Revelation 14, 13. I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. From now on, those who die believing in the Lord are blessed. Yes, says the Spirit. Let them rest from their hard work. What they have done goes with them. It just sounds good just to have rest. Life's busy, isn't it? Life's crazy. Life's stressful. Even when I rest, I sometimes feel stressed, right? You ever had that experience where, you know, I lay down on the couch, I'm just ready to take it easy for a while, and what happens, man? I look up at the ceiling, I'm like, man, I really got to spackle and paint that. Dang, man, that, that fan, I got I to gotta fix the fan. And the light bulbs, I wonder how long those light bulbs are going to last. Did I buy the 1,000 hour or the 10,000 hour? And before you know it, you have to get up and leave or you're so stressed trying to rest, you don't even want to rest anymore. You just want to get up and get your mind on something else. But I just love the thought that, man, you and I are just simply going to rest. We're going to have peace before God. We're going to have the ability to just lay down. And there's not going to be schedules and stuff thrown at us and things to do and things we missed and things we forgot. It's just going to be the rest that God has purchased for us. And I just love just to sort of interrupt the flow here for a second, that everything we're talking about today is available to us because of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus purchased all of this for us. Like if Jesus hadn't died for us, then none of this would be available to us. We would not be able to look forward to any of this. But this rest that God promises us is so powerful. Verse seven, or number seven, sorry. We'll eat, we'll eat. I'm looking forward to that, huh? Revelation 19.9 says, Then the angel said to me, Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the Lamb's wedding banquet. In other words, there's going to be this huge feast that God is going to prepare for us. No calories, no trans fats, no artificial sweeteners. The real deal, you and I just enjoying food. And just think about when you and I eat, what's almost more important than eating? It's, it's the friendship, isn't it? It's coming around the table. I mean, when you and I go out to eat with friends, we spend an hour and a half at the restaurant. It probably takes about 10 minutes to eat. But it's just the camaraderie and the friendship and the hanging out and the laughter and the, the spending time together and just enjoying that together. And so we're going to have that in perfection, right? Not sitting at the table going, oh, I've got to get back. The sitter's ready to you know, get the kids home or I've got to get up early for work tomorrow. Just, just the joy of that fellowship and friendship around food doing what we love. I'm pretty sure God's favorite food is Italian, so it's going to be good. We're going to just enjoy that for all eternity. I love this. We'll listen to and tell stories. Number eight, we'll listen to and tell stories. We're going to listen to, I think, God telling 
some incredible stories. All throughout Scripture. What is Scripture? What's the Bible? Story after story after story. I think about all the awesome questions we're going to be able to ask God, right? I mean, what was it like before creation? What was it like in heaven when Jesus was nailed to the cross? What was it like in heaven when Jesus rose back from the dead? And of course, the most deep theological question of all time, God, why mosquitoes? That's coming out, right? That's coming out. I know you want to ask that. But I I love the fact that, man, God's going to be able to answer questions you and I have. Some of our biggest problems in our relationship with God are unanswered questions. Isn't that true? I mean, the number one reason people don't believe in God is because of pain and suffering. And so often people are going, God, if you're good, then why this? God, if you're good, then why that? And we'll have the answers to those questions. God will tell us the stories, the backstories. Everything God does, he does perfectly, right? And so he understands why this and why that when you and I sit there and scratch our heads and go, I don't get it. Why that, God? And he'll be able to tell us the backstory, and we'll be able to see his infinite wisdom as he's planned everything out in such perfection. You know, the other thing I'm excited about, too, is I think we're going to tell stories, too. We're going to tell stories. We're going to reminisce about the great times and the good things that happened while we were on earth. And I think we're going to reminisce about new stories. You you realize, like, we're going to spend eternity living new lives, living in a new way, creating new memories, enjoying new uh, adventures and things together that we're going to then tell stories about. I mean, you asked my wife, you said at one of my family gatherings, like, we don't think a story's been told unless it's been told about 10,000 times, you know? We enjoy that, and we love laughing about the same old jokes, and, and you know, we're looking at Kelly, like, have you heard this one? She's like, yeah, 9,000 times. I'm like, okay, you got another thousand to go then, good, we're going to get this going. And so telling stories and just enjoying that, reminiscing about here and now, the good, and then reminiscing about the new things that God has allowed us to experience. And so see, I hope you're seeing all these amazing things that God has prepared for us. And then lastly, number nine, we'll experience what Adam and Eve experienced pre-sin. We'll experience that connection with God that we see in Scripture pre-sin. Now, see, this is important because I think the picture that we get before sin entered the picture, it helps us understand what sin will be like after sin enter, or leaves the picture, Right? And so you and I, as we kind of look at Adam and Eve, we get to see some of the connection they had with God before sin entered the picture. We get to see the fellowship they had with God. We get to see, I think, some important things. Think about this for a second. Adam and Eve had complete access to God, and yet what we read in Genesis wasn't a picture of like this forever church service, right? It was Adam and Eve being active. It was them in complete joy with God and with one another, And yet they were busy and they were doing things and they were excited about what they were doing and and they had responsibility and they worked but it was pleasurable and they enjoyed it and there was no sin to taint any of that. And so if your picture of all eternity is just like, you know, sit on that cloud singing forever, I mean, worship's going to be a big part of heaven, but it's going to be so much more than that. We're going to have these different, you know, responsibilities and things that we get to enjoy and do and it's all going to be done in a way that we're excited about. And so these are just nine things that we talked about today that we're going to do in heaven. And maybe some of them are a reminder to you. Some of them maybe were new information for you. And if you're like, I really want to get into this. We're doing this three-part series. I want to know a lot more about heaven. Well, there is a book written by a guy named Randy Alcorn, and it's called Heaven. And it's 
46 chapters, and it's a huge book, and you can read you know, all about heaven and how you get there and what we're going to do and what's not going to be there, and, and he just really gets super deep into it. And so if you guys ever want to get in that, you can go ahead and do that. They have you know, the digital downloads and all that. But here's what Randy says, and he kind of asks this in a form of a question, which I think is smart, because I don't think biblically you could say that these things he's about to mention are definitely going to be in heaven. But I think he asked a great question. I like the way he asked this. So listen to what he says. He says, will we play sports, expand culture, enjoy entertainment like plays and movies and sporting events? Because none of these things are inherently bad. And so will you and I be in heaven enjoying the things that kind of have come alive in our heart here and now? If you like sports, you know, there's a very good chance that there's going to be sports in heaven. As I was uh, discussing this message with my wife, she said that she'd once heard someone say that, God, they believe that God will allow us to do sports and things in heaven because, you know what, one of the reasons there are kids here and now, there are people here and now because of their physical condition that can't enjoy things like sports. And what's heaven going to be but the redemption of all the brokenness on earth? And so to see a kid running around, to see a kid catching a ball that couldn't maybe here and now. And so just thinking about all the excitement and all the possibility. Can I just say this? The last thing God would want for any of us would be for us to be miserable for all eternity. So why would there be the absence of things that we love here and now? Why would there be the absence of the joy and some of the things that have started to come to life in our hearts here and now in heaven? And so heaven is going to be incredible. Heaven is going to be amazing. We're going to enjoy it. We're not going to be looking at our watch. We're not going to be wishing we'd made a different decision. We're going to be first and foremost satisfied by Jesus. And beyond that, we're going to have all these amazing things to do. And so kind of the thought I want you guys to carry with you today is that God has prepared amazing things for us to do for all eternity. That's just the truth. That's what it comes down to. God has prepared amazing things for us to do for all eternity. You're going to love heaven. You're going to enjoy heaven. You're always going to be engaged. You're always going to be satisfied. You're always going to be glad that your Savior purchased heaven for you. So let's review a little bit where we've been and then we'll talk a little bit specifically about how this plays out in our life for here and now. So in week one, we saw that heaven is going to be amazing because we're going to have complete access to our Savior, which that's got to be the first and foremost thing, man. That's got to be the thing that gets us the most excited. And then last week, we saw that heaven will be amazing because we're going to be reunited with loved ones. Mom's got the Cheese Factory tour ready for me. She's there. She's got it ready. She's going to make sure the tour is operating at the hours we get there. It's going to be good. Um, And then we're not going to deal ever again with sin or pain. I love that. And today we've seen that there are amazing things God has prepared for us to do. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's going to be good. Our Savior loves us. Our Savior has given us things to satisfy us here and now. How much more in heaven? So how do we respond to this? How do we respond to the fact that we're going to have all these amazing things to do in heaven, and such a good God is preparing all this for us. Well, first of all, we've just got to get more excited and anticipating heaven. We've got to get more pumped about it. We've got to begin to get more passionate about eternity and what that will be like. But also, we have to let it more and more impact how we live here and now. The fact that something amazing awaits us has to impact us here and now. I've seen this with my kids. Whenever there's something we're excited about or they're excited about that they're looking forward to, it changes how they act here and now. Like they treat each other better. 
They're more quickly obey Kelly and I. Not that they'd ever do anything wrong. Uh, you know, they're just more uh, respectful. They're, 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 they're happier. They'll laugh more easily. They get along better because they're looking forward to something. Now, this isn't true, but if I told my kids today, guys, we're taking you to game three on Friday night, this would be the best week of our lives. Like, Cade's in the back like this. I said it's not true, buddy. I'm sorry. Right? This, they, this would be the best week of their lives. They would behave so well. They would be so respectful. We'd be like, okay, guys, we're going to do that, but we want you to do an extra hour of studying and homework every night. Okay. I mean, they'd just be fine with it because they're looking forward to what's coming, and it would affect their obedience and their actions today. And the same's got to be true for you and I. As we look forward to eternity and heaven and Jesus and seeing loved ones and no more sin or pain and all the amazing things that we talked about we'll be doing for all eternity today. That's got to begin to change how we act here and now. So if you're struggling with lust or anger or jealousy or gossip or anything here today, the answer is more and more we look toward heaven. We get excited about heaven. We become more and more the people that we want to be when we see our Savior. And I think the last way that it's got to affect us is we got to invite people to come with us. We got to get more and more passionate about saying, all right, I'm so excited about heaven. But that means I got to start impacting my neighbors and my friends and my coworkers and my family who don't know Jesus yet. And so how do I do that? How do I get involved in their lives in such a way that they're drawn to heaven as well too? You and I have been given everything through Jesus. So we got to get more and more passionate about being that light. And we're going to talk about that actually in a new series in a few weeks. But before I get ahead of myself with that, we just got to get more and more passionate and say, I'm so excited about heaven. I want them to come with me. I wasn't standing in the lobby for more than a minute before I started talking with some friends that are here today about how excited that we are about all this World Series stuff. You know what? That more and more on such a bigger level, that would be true about our relationship with God too. And I know we got to do it carefully. We don't want to be any of these people thumping people over the head with the Bible and in everybody's face pushing everybody away. But at the same time, what Jesus has done in our lives has to excite us to the point that we start to get more and more passionate. And you know what? I know there's some Yankees fans here today that I'm not afraid to offend with my excitement about the Mets deal. And so some of us, right, because we're afraid of offending somebody, we just never say anything about what Jesus has done in our lives. And so be smart and be wise and be sensitive and be a light, not annoying. But at the same time, man, we got to, as excited as we are about things here and now, we got to be so much more excited about eternity and we've got to care about those in our lives that Jesus has given us a little bit of an opportunity to point toward heaven along with us. And so I hope that this series has gotten you more excited about heaven. And I hope that you are looking more and more forward. And I hope it impacts us here and now by getting us passionate, by helping us honor God with our lifestyles as we look to heaven, and by influencing those that are around us. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, I just want to make so clear to you how we get to heaven. The way we get to heaven has nothing to do with our works, has nothing to do with our ability, has nothing to do with the good or bad that we've done in our lives. And you're in a room full of people who sin daily. Okay, You're in a room full of people who mess up daily. Me at the top of the list. And you know what? Every one of us is saved because of what Jesus has done in our place. It's his death and his resurrection alone that rescues us. And so if you want to put your trust in Jesus today, I'm going to lead us in a prayer in just a minute, and I would love for you to put your trust in Jesus. I'd love for you to look to him as your Savior because it's him alone that purchases eternity for you and me. But Christians, come on, we got to get more 
passionate. We're going to sing a song in just a minute. And near the end, it talks about heaven. And we've got to worship with all our heart. We've got to get excited about that moment when we see our Savior. And we're done with pain. And we're done with sin. And we're done with disappointment. And it's us and him laughing, resting, helping run the universe, enjoying all kinds of possibly sports and entertainment and telling stories and all these great things that you and I love here and now. That's just a little glimpse of what God is preparing for you and I in eternity. Because heaven will be amazing because God's prepared amazing things for us to do for all eternity. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful, Lord, that you love us and that you are excited about eternity and you are excited about us being with you and that you've purchased for us such an awesome thing, God, that we can never purchase for ourselves. You've given us access to you, Jesus. You've given us hope to see loved ones again and to be free of sin and pain. And God, you are preparing amazing things for us to do. And God, I thank you. We'll never be bored. I thank you that we will be engaged and satisfied for all eternity. And that, God, we can't even get it. We're scratching the surface. We're doing our best with what we have to look forward. But God, we are going to be amazed. And I'm so thankful for that. And so, God, would you let that impact us? I pray for those of us in the room that are struggling today, that are just feeling beat up by sin. I pray the more we look forward to heaven, the more it impact and give us victory here and now. And I pray, God, that we will be passionate to reach those that need to hear about Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you do one of two things right now? Would you either pray about a sin struggle you're having, and would you ask that as you look to eternity, it would impact and give victory here and now? Or would you pray for a person in your life that needs Jesus? Would you pray that God will give you opportunity and boldness and the right, uh, the right way to point them to our Savior? And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, then I would love for you to just pray and put your trust in Jesus if you'd like to. You can pray silently something just like this. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you so much for forgiving my sin. Thank you for purchasing for me what I could never purchase for myself. And so be my Savior and be my God. Show me how real you are. Change my life. And I thank you for this gift of heaven. In your name I pray.